Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome back to Engine 25 Reviews. Uh, today, I'm here with my uh, my buddy, Dr. Dan, and we're going to be talking about Robert Eggers' The Northman. It's a movie that was made uh, almost start to finish during the pandemic, I think, which is uh, a very cool thing. Um, it has a... Uh, well, I just had everything up, and then I put it away. Uh, budget is listed as 70 to $90 million, um, which is a, a fair step up over Eggers' first couple of movies. Um, and then so far, the box office is uh, 41.6. I be that, That's as of Friday, I think. And we are recording on Sunday, May 1st. Um, so uh, how, are you, uh, how are you doing, Dan? What's going on with you? Uh, doing good. Uh, still trying to wrap my head around this, uh, this movie, as, as we were talking about a minute ago. It's, uh, it's a wild time. It, it, it's wild, <laughs> absolutely wild. So yeah, um, as I, as I said, it was directed by Robert Eggers, uh, previously directed, uh, uh, feature, two feature films. The first one was The Witch, I think in 2016, uh, and then 20, uh, 2019, he came out with, uh, The Lighthouse, um, and they are both very unique, certainly among modern films. What, how do you... How did you feel about Robert Eggers movies coming into this, Dan? Um, so I missed The Lighthouse because uh, that came out when I was living in Iowa and I was like, ironically teaching so many classes about movies that I, uh, I only saw like two actual movies that whole year. <laughs> Excellent. Um, and sadly, that was not one of them. But I loved, loved, loved The, uh, the Witch. Uh, I saw it one time um in like the dollar theater in rochester new york uh okay. like in you know like i think like maybe even the last week i it was even playing uh and it ended up being just like one of those movie going experiences where i just you know have very vivid memories like there's a lot of movies now i'm like did I see that in the theater? I don't remember, you know, like it just That's all fair. Like in a like post pandemic and everything's weird and did this happen last week or 10 years ago like Yeah, right. It's all like just blurry at this point, but I just I remember vividly kind of going to this like really old movie theater in Rochester. It was like 100 years old. Nice. Uh, only had one screen, um, you know, just like one of those historic theaters and they they played this film and it was just uh, mesmerizing because I'm a sucker for really any historical kind of like you know film like any film that's sort of dealing with the past is just sort of like just positioned right at that intersection for me of like history and, and art which I really love and I always and, and I'm just really blown away when somebody just deviates from the the traditional kind of way of representing the past which I think is you know, speaking generally is like you, you make it feel like intelligible to modern audiences. And, you know, the, that's sort of like the standard, you know, like you, right. you, you put the dialogue in English, which, you know, this film is going to do too, but ultimately you got to sell tickets. So in order to do that, it has to be at, at least on some level digestible to, and yeah, so that, uh, that's yeah. fair. Yeah, exactly. But what I loved about uh, The Witch and what I love about uh, The Northman is it kind of goes against that that trend. It, it's, it's you know, The Witch, I just was so struck and I'm still, still so struck uh, by 
how, you know, the dialogue is basically kind of being pulled, you know, more or less verbatim where, where he can. Right. And it, it is in English, but it's, a, it's not, it's not modern English for sure. There's a, modern English. It's, yeah. it's Shakespeare's English. Exactly. You know? it's, it's using words that are no longer in use. Like the grammar is kind of weird, you know, for, uh, and, you know, he's expecting you to, not really even necessarily follow or understand uh, every intricacy or everything that's happening, which is, you know, what you, you kind of have to, that's going to happen if you're sort of going to deviate from the, the modernized uh, approach. Um, and it just, it creates this like really, you know, just mysterious, you know, captivating kind of atmosphere. Like you really feel more than you do with most films that you're like having an actual like encounter with the alien cultures of the past, you know, as opposed to like, you know, like I'm thinking of The Crucible now with Daniel uh, Day-Lewis, which, you know, it's a great movie, a uh, great play, but it's, you know, the, the Salem- Very much a 20th century retelling of, yeah. of a story that may or may not even, even happened anything like the way that it did. Yeah, exactly. It's like it's being rewritten uh, completely for, you know, the issues of, you know, in the 50s, McCarthyism and, and the Red Scare. And, uh, you know, the movie adaptations are kind of like trying to have Daniel Day-Lewis kind of sound like he would sound in, I don't know, one of the more modern films that he's he's been in. I'm blanking like <laughs> the movies he's done, but like, I don't know, Phantom Thread or, you know, it's not really like he's not talking He's not doing his gangs in New York thing and right. the crucible. So anyway, long story short, I, I was, I was completely in love with the, the witch. And I found that a lot of the things I loved about the witch are also in the Northmen. There, my, my journey to the witch was a little bit different than yours. I, I had heard very good things about it and I stumbled on it on uh, Amazon or something. Hey, I've heard, you know, I was just uh, up, up late one night, probably looking for something to watch. It's like, hey, this, I, I think I've heard about this. This, seem, this seems interesting. And I played it and I did not expect to be absolutely floored by it. You know, as, as I had, uh, again, I had heard good things, but you know, there, sometimes that's, that you don't, you can't always trust some of the things you hear. And it's, especially with a period piece, you know, like it's, it's kind of, I don't want to say lo-fi, but it's definitely very low budget, you know, and like the, the materials around it kind of look that way, but in a way that they're they're stylized to make it more interesting, despite the fact that they didn't have a lot of money to produce it. But, you know, like it's obvious, like minutes into the movie, that it's something very special. And like the, the really, even just, you know, to watching it by myself in the dark at home, not even in a movie theater, there's a really overwhelming tone of dread like even even very early in the movie there's just like you know it's like something's really not right and the you know the way they talk um and everything is like there it's the the color palette's a lot of gray and it's it's just a very it's sonically very sparse you know there there is music but it's used sparingly um and it's just it's texturally very unlike anything that i had seen at least certainly recently, but probably ever. Um, and of course, R Ralph Innocen and uh, especially Anya Taylor-Joy give incredible performances in it. Um, and it's, you know, it's just, a, it's about it's about a witch or at least the, the belief that a witch exists in the woods. Um, 
and you know, there's just a hint of the supernatural, and he he follows that thread in with his other movies. You know, there's just uh, just a little bit here that may not be exactly real, or well, I don't know what to say real. It it might not be exactly of the earth, um, and it's I don't know the the witch blew me away, and it was that was before the lighthouse came out. Heard about the lighthouse, like oh, this the director of the witch. I'm all in on this, and yet again, like you know minutes into the lighthouse it's something really special even with choices that i would you know at at times might think are a little pretentious like if you you tell me your movies in four by three like my first my first question is why you like you know that this in in 2022 like there's no reason to do that a, a black and white movie absolutely um but you know yeah let the the lighthouse is it's square you know so that that immediately sets it apart from anything released in the last 50 years <laughs> certainly at least anything um at, le at least certainly anything since the hd era don't don't forget about the good the good german back here uh was that four by three i don't even did it was like one six six so it was okay. uh it was as close as he could get for i don't know 2006 right um and it's you had to get like that that movie really focuses in on the isolationism of it and you know it's too uh, it's Robert Pattinson and Willem Dafoe, and they're um, Robert Pattinson play, seems to play a little bit older than he actually is, um, you know. And it's like he's stuck with his old man, and they're like they're both really like sexually repressed, and they start to hallucinate, and then maybe they're not hallucinating, maybe they actually did see a mermaid, and no, like it's the it is tonally and texturally again very very unique and very special, and even I would say unique compared to The Witch. Like, you know, like they're definitely, you, you can definitely see, okay, I can tell how these are the same director, but like he didn't, he def, he did not make the same movie again. Uh, and that was um, certainly, certainly really, really special to me. Like, you know, like maybe he'd find a groove and say, this is my thing because I do this very well. And that is not what the lighthouse is. Um, and it's, I, I guess it's like, it's a really pensive look into isolationism. Um, and you know they it's these two guys and they do the same thing every day they have they're they live alone on this on this island which is basically just it's they have the tower the lighthouse and then it's like a few rocks um and they're you know they have to keep the lamp burning but you know it's foggy everywhere like you know there there are no other people in the movie so you know they're in theory they're running a lighthouse so that the so that ships can see to make to ports but you never see the port you never really see any other boats it's just two guys um, and it's, you know, you can't, you can't really get better than Willem Dafoe and Robert Pattinson is fantastic in it. Um, and so, go ahead. Oh, no, I haven't, having not seen this film, you're just, you're, it just sounds like the, the pre COVID movie we didn't know we needed. You know, <laughs> you know you're, you're not <laughs> wrong. Like there yeah. are there's so many scenes in the movie that are just the two of them, like, sitting at the dinner table like just you know they're just <laughs> munching away and you know to doing you know man man talk and it's like it's only lit with like a lamp like an oil lamp on the table and they're just you know they're like talking about women and they're farting and they're gr they're gross and it's yeah it's just like it's it's a gross movie in the best way and it's yeah no it's fantastic um and then we come to uh his robert egger's third movie the northman um Definitely a step up uh, budgetarily. I mentioned that uh, I mentioned that early on, um, and it's first of all the the trailers for this movie blew me away. 
was like, I didn't, uh, I, I figured he was working on something else, didn't really know what it was. Um, and then, you know, a trailer comes up and it says from the director of The Witch and The Lighthouse, blah, blah, blah. And it's a friggin' Viking movie with Alexander Sarsgaard. And it looks crazy. It's like, okay, so they can't, can, can he top himself again? Uh, well, I don't, well, I'm not going to say that one movie's better than the other, but can he, can you know, can he do it again? Can he make another movie that's as good as this last two? Uh, and this one's probably uh, leans toward the most mainstream. Like there is no, there aren't any like real action scenes, for example, in The Witch or The Lighthouse. Uh, they're both they're both very dialogue heavy uh, and really you know really period focused. And this one is certainly that. But you know there are a number of sword fights and uh and you know in, in they're they're vikings so there's an invasion scene early on uh and then there's some one-on-one -on -one sword duels and just the way they are staged uh and the way that they're filmed and uh, a lot of them are in like single long takes um which at you know at this point can be very tropey but they're the visuals are so unique and we'll talk about that in more detail when we move into spoilers but it's i like i walked out of the northman absolutely floored like this, this is, this movie is really something special. Um, I mentioned in the pre-show, like a lot of people throw around the words epic and visceral, like uh, probably a lot more than they should. Um, and this is, this movie is visceral. Like you're, and it feels like dirty, you know, like you're, you're in the mud with these guys and you can feel the swords clashing and you can feel the fire burning. Like the, the, you, you feel the heat from the screen when, when, the when you there's actually okay there's lava <laughs> there's a lava flow in the movie and there's also there's a scene where like their houses are burning down and such and you just like you feel it like in a way that is even like almost hard to describe um and it is just another yet another example of robert eggers incredible management of tone that you know it's like i know i know how i want this movie to feel and i want you to be exhausted at the end of it and that is he he succeeds on every front, in my opinion. How, how, how do you feel about it, Dan? Yeah, I agree with uh, pretty much everything you just just said. Just uh, it was a really uh, engrossing movie. I think in large part because there's so much focus on the texture and the sounds and just like the 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 material of the world, you know, where they where they're living. So you know, you can tell that like. There may have been some CGI in the movie somewhere, but for the most part, there is, and we'll we'll point it out a little bit, a okay, little bit cool. later. Certainly, at least one, at least one kind of comical example. Yeah, right. So there's a little bit, but for the most part, um, you know, this is a movie where, yeah, there's some action scenes, but a lot of it is really just, you know, dudes, kind of like your description of the lighthouse. It's sort of just the people sitting around a fire, you know, grateful that they've made it to the end of another day in this uh, really violent, you know. Uh, you know, brutal world where, uh, you know, your, your, your life is guaranteed to be, uh, dirty, nasty, uh, brutal, and probably pretty short. Um, and so you just have a lot of emphasis on, you know, the rituals, uh, of Viking culture, uh, like just, you know, emphasis on, you know, what they're doing kind of in between the big moments of right. raid, pillaging and, and action. Um, a lot of emphasis too on their like religion and some of their cultural beliefs. Like you get like, 
four or five, you know, separate scenes over the course of the film where you're seeing like different rituals. Um, and these are just, I don't know, you just don't really see uh, films, historical films, you know, dwelling on so many of these kind of little things that like don't add to the plot, but add a lot to the texture and the tone. Absolutely. Um, you know, and that's not to say this movie didn't have a huge, uh, I mean, we'll talk more about it, but like the plot was definitely very, uh, you know, it, it was very uh, propulsive. Like, you know, it, it, it was a film where it felt like everything kind of led kind of uh, inevitably to the next uh, thing. It was very like, just like one, you know, action, you know, must lead to this next action and so on and so forth. So to kind of balance that with such an intense emphasis on, you know, moments of like dead time almost, uh, I thought was really, uh, did a lot to just kind of, I, I don't know, trying to draw you into the film. You end up kind of really investing in the story, but also just, you know, soaking in the atmosphere and the environment, you know, you're just kind of like placed. Absolutely. In the world. You know, and yeah. there. They're, they are like a, a seafaring culture, you know, like every, you, you can taste the salt there, but I mean, yeah, the, I was really probably surprised at how much time they spend showing you what Vikings are doing, like outside of the stories, mm -hmm. if that, if, if that makes sense, um, to kind of say that. You know, like er early on in the movie, there's a scene where, well, the really the the beginning of the film is um, the omelet. The main character, his father, returns from a raid, and then there, there's a big party. Hooray! Everyone's back. We won. Um, and then the next scene is uh, his father, played by uh, Ethan Hawke. They they go see like the the city fool, or you know, maybe he's a maybe he's a religious person or something. But um, he it's played played by Willem Dafoe, and they're you know like this is a scene where they're they're kind of worshiping wolves and you know this is this is how we got our reputation kind of thing because we're the we're the 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 clan of the raven and that you know all this and that and they're the this little boy and Ethan Hawke crawl around on their knees acting like wolves like but it's it's done in a way that's like really honest and respectful like you're not they're not making fun of it that way and that's a something that he uh, Robert Eggers said in an interview recently that I that I saw was, you know, like we in in my films we're showing these other cultures that you know that don't exist today, but we're not doing it in judgmental ways, you know. There's there are, uh, the, and not to say that we're encouraging people to become Vikings, you know, they're <laughs> they're intense and they're violent and they um, they wouldn't have spoken English, but the 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 way the English is written here. Um, feel it feels authentic, uh, at least as far as it can be. Um, but you know, we're not the the movies has certainly has statements to make, but it's not judging Vikings. It's showing you like this is what their life was like, um, and these are the things that they believed. And take take away from that what you will. But the filmmaker isn't telling you that you should feel a certain way about this. Um, and I think that's absolutely fantastic. And it's uh, like, quite frankly, some of the most compelling scenes in the movie are like, looking into these religious beliefs and they're, you know, the, the parts of the culture that 
that we don't talk about on a daily basis or that, you know, that we that we didn't see in the the History Channel Viking show, which isn't really all that accurate in their portrayal of how how Viking culture was. It's like so it's uh, they're they're making claims that this is the the most accurate and genuine portrayal of Viking culture ever put to film. And that is a quote that I from Robert Eggers. That is not Brandon trying to make claims. I'm not a historian. I am uh, casually interested in the history of it. But, you know, it's a, the portrayal of the culture and the things that they think is would be okay. And well, I'll, I'll hit on that in a little bit. Um, as far as character relationships and that kind of thing, uh, their religion, um, the, you know, they're a violent culture and they raid and pillage and they do terrible things. Um, but it's all just shown, it's portrayed honestly, uh, but not, the movie isn't telling you one way or the other how you should feel about those things. It's just like, in that way, it's kind of just explaining them to you almost. Um, in a really, in a really vivid and visually interesting way, which certainly helps, but no, yeah, the, I think the, the thing that the Northman does the most or does the best is to just say, this is what life was like. This is what they believed. Um, and he's not, again, Robert Eggers isn't trying to tell you how you should feel. He's just trying to tell it like it is, um, yeah, no, I, I I agree. If anything, there's a uh, the the emphasis uh, is often on the parts of their world that are kind of like the most alien or the most other, um, as opposed to the stuff that is more familiar to us about the Vikings from uh, other pop culture stuff. You know, like sure. a lot of. Like we were talking in, uh, before we started recording about uh, Assassin's Creed, because the most recent <laughs> is is the Viking one. Yeah, Val Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Yeah, and that's that. You know, it's a really fun game. So no, no one. You know, just just to be clear, uh, I I enjoy very much. You know, pillaging uh, as as a Viking, but that's that could almost be uh, sort of like a stand-in for how Vikings are sort of represented just more generally, you know, they've got yeah. like crazy horns on the helmets. Uh, they pillage and they, and they, uh, you know, they raid, but it's kind of like sort of sanitized. It's like, all right, they're coming in, they're taking things and then they're leaving. And, you know, they talk a lot about honor and about, you know, the warrior's spirit and all this stuff. So it's like that kind of resonates with uh, more contemporary kind of attitudes about, you know, strength and heroism and et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and so, you know, you get to have a good time, you know, pretending to be a Viking, you know, when you're, when you're playing that game or when you're watching like Vikings on history channel, you know? Right. And, uh, you know, and I'm not going to say either, cause there are, I, I've seen the first two seasons of, of the Viking show and I really enjoyed it. Oh, yeah, know, and sure. there it's, you know, and there's certainly things to be learned. Um, you know, but it's also, you know, that women are probably more, more prominent, uh, as characters in that show than than they would have been historically, you know, and just like, you know, li li little things like that. Um, and not to, again, not not passing judgments on the show, you know, it's with, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm all in for, you know, d diversity on screen, but there are those choices kind of bend history, you know, like they would have, 
Vikings would have historically all been like white dudes uh, and the women most of the time would have stayed at home. Right. You know, I mean, that's, that's the thing. I mean, you're talking about, you know, a culture that one, it was 1200 years ago. Yes. I mean, that's a, it's important. Like no person (laughs) alive really has a concept of how long ago 1200 years was like, like not relative to, you know, I, how long was yesterday? How old am I versus how long ago was 1200 years? Like, yeah, yeah, right. Exactly. That's like not, you know, in the grand scheme of things, that's not a lot of time, but like in terms of like individual lives, that's like a lot of how many generations pass in 1200 years. Like, you know, in Vikings, you mentioned yourself, like they probably wouldn't live very long. You know, they, you know, they're, Um, they're certainly they're, they're violent and they're prone to conflict, but also like medicine wasn't great. And they're, they're traveling and they're, you know, they're prone to injury and any one of these things can, can claim a life early. You know, that's, it's just. Right. Exactly. And then, and their whole system of, of thinking about the world and their relation to it is based around these, these basic facts, which are of, of, of material reality that were, are just completely different today. So you're, you're talking about like, you know, a huge gulf of time. And you're also talking about, um, you know, there's not, a lot of written stuff, you know, there's the, 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 the documentation around the Vikings. Uh, they are, they not- are not known for re- their recorded histories, which is, oh. you know, and that's where a lot of the, probably a lot where, where a lot of the broken information comes from because there, a lot of the accounts of Vikings would be from other cult, other peoples who encountered them more so than Vikings themselves. Yeah. So again, I'm not a historian either. So this is all just like, I read yeah. the Wikipedia, you know, oh, me too. Yeah. <laughs> the last few days, but right. I mean, a lot of the Viking stuff was, was being written down by uh, the early kind of Christian church, which had a, you know, they had an interest in portraying the Vikings as bad people because absolutely, they, yeah. they were of a pagan religion and it was part of the the church building process that was happening. Uh, over the course of a thousand plus years in Europe, you know, so, so, right. So, and so, you know, you're, you're, you're dealing with like a fragmentary uh, record of events that were very, very, very long ago. And the conventional kind of approach has been to just sort of ignore all that and just kind of, or just sort of like fill it in with the more romantic kind of familiar kind of stuff, which that's where you get like, you know, the fantasy Vikings of like, you know, Assassin's Creed or or any other film that you could probably think of um, where they're not really, you're not really watching a movie about the Vikings. You're watching a movie where Vikings have been kind of used to represent other stuff that kind of feels yes. like, you know, more, like we- more modern, more relatable. Yeah. I mean, it like looked like you know it had to come up at some point, but the Minnesota Vikings, you know, it's, it's sort <laughs> of like the, the archetype, you know, in yeah. some way. It's like they're not Vikings; they're big, burly football players, but we're calling them Vikings because the association of strength and you know power and like camaraderie fits with how we want football to be, you know. And that um, you know that makes total sense to me. Like, yeah. no, yeah, absolutely. It's they're choosing to put on an image whether or not you know then that image is it's a again yeah we're 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 big and strong and we're and we're buddies and it's a it's an image that a modern 
sports faring audience can rally behind for sure. Yeah, exactly. But it's not all really representative of what Vikings actually means. Right. And then, you know, just to make it, you know, the dark example, if you're, you're out there listening and you know, like, you need like a serious version of this is, uh, you know, the alt-right and uh, neo-Nazis are really into Vikings too, for the same reason, you know, because like there's elements of that. Unfortunately. Yep. Yeah. And, right. Exactly. Um, yeah. I think the same Robert Eggers interview that you read, uh, or one of the ones I was reading, he was talking about how like, you know, part of the uh, the impetus for the film is almost to like reclaim some of the Viking, oops, uh, some of the Viking stuff from uh, some of the more like whitewashed, uh, you know, literally or figuratively, um, you know, interpretations of Vikings that are out there. But like that's that's you know to take it back to what you were talking about. I mean, that's this is what I really found fascinating about the film is that when it confronted these gaps of like time or a fragmentary record or like weird rituals where it's like, well, this is a religious ritual clearly, but what exactly is the purpose of, you know, the barking like dogs, you know, like you're not, you're, you're, you're kind of confronted with stuff that you can't easily kind of read. Right. And you're never really given kind of enough information to kind of like, know definitively, Oh yes, they're barking like dogs because this is a, ritual related to like the hunt and the moon or whatever like you would get so much of that dialogue and like a lot of other films and it's just it's just not here you know you don't you're not given enough information to arrive at quick you know uh uh easy of even just like the literal stuff that's sometimes happening in, in the frame not even just like what it means or whatever it's like like literally like i'm not totally sure what this thing that they're doing like, why are they doing it? You know, and you, you know, I, I applaud that willingness of uh, of Eggers to to not over explain, because I could yeah. definitely see a version of this movie and a version of The Witch where there's a lot more expository dialogue trying to, you know, trying to get a clearer, give the audience a clearer picture of what's actually happening and why. And yeah, he for, exactly. he forgoes all of that and just kind of shows it to you and lets you take from it what you will. So it's yeah, you're not allowed to like some sometimes what these films, especially in the Hollywood tradition, will do is they'll they'll kind of like you know they'll take the past and they'll air, they'll, they'll they'll airbrush all the weird stuff you know the weird rituals and customs that you know we don't do anymore and they'll, they'll just cut that out. And they'll give you a really, really likable kind of main protagonist that you can kind of identify with. Like Gladiator is coming to mind as like maybe a good kind of pair. It's another revenge story. It's another right. film where you're kind of like kind of allowed to sort of exist in the world of the movie for a long time. Um, and but Gladiator, like you're net, you're always kind of identifying with Russell Crowe. You're always kind of being given like this really easy sort of like he's fighting for his family. He's fighting against the bad guy. And this one, it seems like you're getting that, but even like the the way that you're kind of, you know, given access to the hero's motivations and his thinking about stuff. And, you and know, he does not talk a lot. He doesn't talk a lot. And when he talks, it's very like, like, you know, like what does he say at the beginning of the movie? It's like, I have, you know, save, avenge father. Avenge save father, mother. save mother, kill Fjolner. Like that's, yeah. The oh, yeah, right. It's like his motivation is very like, 
this is my destiny. I must go and do it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's, kind of, that's kind of it, you know? It's like, it's a very, it's like, you're like, I feel it'd be identifying with you because this is the gladiator kind of format. I'm, I'm familiar with the format, but I can't just kind of like put myself in this guy's shoes. So I'm not really in this world full. Okay, hold on. This doesn't happen often. Dan, you still with me? Holy, I'm kind of like, I'm kind of like taking one step in, but I'm keeping it. Oh no, the, uh, I'm getting. Yeah, I've got you back. Can you hear me? Connection. Yeah, I can hear you. My internet connection was going like un unstable for a minute. So no worries. It's all good. Yeah, yeah. All right. Cool. Um, oh, now I forgot where we where you were. <laughs> I could have told uh, you until we you came were, back. We were uh, we were talking about uh, just like how it. We I, we mentioned you. how he doesn't talk a lot, and it's like this is this is what I'm doing because it's my fate. Or this yeah, is my exactly. destiny. Yeah, it's like it's you can't really like he's not really a, a hero in the conventional way, and so that makes it kind of hard to make him your like primary entry point to the movie. You can't just be like. This is who what I would do. I would be doing the same things the hero would be doing in this in this scene because he's got all of my same emotions and you know the same logical kind of ways of figuring stuff out. It, it, this dude's kind of his motivations are weird, you know. Like they're not they're not like we're not as invested in this like Nordic idea of destiny, and so like this sort of revenge thing that he's doing is just so rooted in like this way of thinking about your relation to the cosmos that mm -hmm. it, like you're, you and I aren't going to be like, you know, like we're, if we're in this world, we're going to be like that guy, you know, killed my father. I'm mad. <laughs> you know? and he's definitely mad, but it's yeah. just like madness is also framed in how it's like, can't be that mad. This is his destiny. He, he, can, he can only kill the guy when he's, <laughs> when it's like, the ordained, the preordained time. So he can't just be simmering with rage, you know, because the gods will, that's not going to work. You know? And it's like, they, there's some dialogue early in the movie about like, this isn't this situation, which is by the way, set up in the trailer. So I'll, uh, I'll go ahead and well, well, will we, my spoiler button didn't work. There it goes. Um, but the, kind of the setup for the movie is his his father comes home from this big raiding party uh when he's a small boy um and then his uh his uncle turns on his father and kind of takes over his little kingdom and then the kid runs away uh and grows up uh omleth is his is his name and he grows up into alexander sarsgaard uh and he spends the rest of the movie trying to seek revenge on his uncle uh, and that's where the, the avenge father, save mother, kill Fjolner thing comes from. Uh, Fjolner is his uncle and he, he kidnaps his mother, who's portrayed by Nicole Kidman, who like keeps reminding me why she is amazing. <laughs> um, like the she's she's incredible in Big Little Lies, which came out in the last several years. And then um, the this this movie, you know, it's just like she's she's done a lot of action movies and a lot of like like uh, kind of more mainstream fair but every now and then she comes out with something like this which is 
complete, you know, and she, it's completely different than her type. And she's stunning in it, by the way. Uh, and we'll we'll probably explain why. But yeah, the this kind of idea that they're almost clashing families or like clashing little kingdoms, whatever. And it isn't that uncommon for like one to come in and eradicate another one or something like that. And it's so you're. Uh, and Ethan Hawke says something early on, like it's it's my destiny to like to be killed by the sword. Like it's embarrassing for a man to just grow old and die or to get sick. Like it's it's given in their their most of their religion is is oratory, but like they're they're supposed to be killed in in a fight, and then like their children are supposed to come back and avenge them. Like it's it's ingrained in their dna almost like it's so it's such a central core aspect to their way of life um mm -hmm. and you know and they know that going in it's just like you know this his father know, in fact his father comes back from the raiding party already injured and he's like i you know basically i survived this one but the next one's coming um right. yeah yeah so it's and he he knows that eventually somebody's going to stab him to death and then omelette it's going to be his responsibility to come and over and get vengeance on the guy that killed me like that's the this is omelet was taught this from a young age and then it eventually happens and he has to you know then he has to act on it um and it's just a it's another one of those things that's really it's ingrained into their culture and it's 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 their way of life and even if it's something that we don't really understand like we're not offered that much explanation about it. We just we just are kind of told very succinctly that this is the way it works and this is this is his motivation for the next two hours. <laughs> well it's it's uh, now that we've got spoilers out, we can just go ahead and uh, you know talk about how like basically this is uh, you know Hamlet. This is the. It's, uh, uh, it's absolutely. In fact, I think it's like it might be based on the story that Hamlet is based on. In fact, like yeah, it's 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 one of the many uh, things that eventually kind of found its way uh, into Hamlet because mm -hmm. Shakespeare, you know, was just uh, doing effectively what Robert Eggers is doing, which is like adapting these older stories and kind of reworking them. Uh, you know, speaking of uh, Shakespeare, anyone who hasn't watched the tragedy of Macbeth on Apple TV, you should do it. All right. Yeah, <laughs> continue on the Northman. <laughs> yeah. Right. But, um, but it's no, but the, the, his motivation is, uh, interesting in relation to the more famous, uh, kind of literary character kind of comes after him because Hamlet, you know, very famously spends the entire play being like, well, do I kill my uncle? what does that say about me and my mom? And what's like my relationship to my dad? You know, do I really? Yeah, like, and Omelette doesn't care what people think about it. Like he doesn't, he doesn't care yeah. what it means. He's just out to kill the guy uh, and whatever comes of it. You know, it's right, exactly right. It's very, very deterministic, very linear, uh, very like, very impersonal in a weird way. It's like, you're not really like, none of these people uh, really gets to kind of, it doesn't have the time or the luxury to kind of come up with an individual kind of psyche and identity, you know, like this is the time too, where it's like mirrors don't exist. So most people don't know what they look like, you know, like they're not, they're that's not true too. That, and I, that's a, a thing that I hadn't really 
thought of. Right. No, it's, 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 it's kind of wild. It's like, you don't really have the ability uh, to sort of conceive of yourself as an individual sovereign kind of entity, you know, your own kind of man, so to speak, if you don't know what you look like, you know, and you can. And that's, that makes sense. The, uh, going back to this is theoretically, you know, theoretically the most the most accurate portrayal of Vikings in a movie, you know, and that went all the way through the uh, the the crafts, you know, how things are made, the costume design. The reason I bring it up at this moment is like the hair, um, and that is apparently the ha- the the hairdressing is like the big thing that stuck out to Robert Eggers as the thing that's not that accurate and it's because there are a few very you know they're vikings are kind of ubiquitous in the movie but you know the groups from different regions and stuff um and they wanted to kind of show them culturally just a little bit different and they chose to do that with the hairdressing but across the board the hairdressing is really like utilitarian more than anything else you know like none of the certainly none of the men are well kempt you know they don't they their hair grows they have long hair because hair grows out and it's uh, you know, it's not clean and it's, you know, Amleth often has like this little leather headband or whatever around his head, like to keep it out of his eyes while he's fighting, basically, you know, and uh, all the men have long hair and beards. Um, the some of the women uh, are portrayed a little bit cleaner, you know, like the um, Nicole Kidman, her hair, her her hair is done up very nice. And then like the um, Anya Taylor Joy is like a house slave. So she her appearance is a little bit more. Uh, a little bit cleaner than some of some of the other women, but yeah, like they're the your your note about them not really knowing what they look like is interesting to me, and it's it come that meshes really plainly with the idea that like the everything about the way they dress and the way they look and the way they present themselves is more utilitarian than anything else. Yeah, right. They're they're thinking of themselves as like. Like, how do we survive, you know, to yeah. the next day? Uh, there's another line I really liked uh, from the film was, like, you know, when, when they first see the uncle again, he's he's lost his kingdom that he got. Yeah, the, he you know, he raided this kingdom and then he got re-raided in the amount of time, like in the whatever, now, however amount of time passed in between. Yeah, now he's just kind of like, you know, living sort of on his own little like farm. You know, you get kind of the sense that he's almost in exile. But uh, he says to his sons, like, you don't know if you're going to be a king one one year or a slave the next. So you just have to, you know, prepare for both. Um, and so they're thinking of themselves as like, how do you survive, you know, on a day to day basis, which is like one level of, of how they, mm-hmm. they conceptualize themselves in relation to everyone else. But then, like, there's that that mythic kind of level where it's like you know you're 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 an archetype you're 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 a version of this preordained kind of like character type that is being handed down to you from this oral tradition like you are the the son who must avenge the father you know that's a role that has always existed will always exist you know that's true because it's part of this oral tradition that is how you understand the world you know in the year 800 uh when you're sailing off on these long ships um, and you get a real sense of all of this. Like you don't really get the sense that they've had to, that he's writing these characters as if they were thinking the way we think about ourselves. Like you really get the sense. Oh, yeah. This was in The Witch too, where he is trying as much as it's possible for anybody to do this to 
kind of internalize like the mindset, you know, that, that, you know, sort of that these people have and kind of like finding a way to do that. And also kind of underlining how that's sort of an impossible goal. You know, you can kind of get close, but you can't fully get there. And that's, that's just, you know, you just don't see a lot of historical films do that. Like Barry Lyndon, Gary, the wrath of God, like, mm-hmm. Those are like two of the big ones that kind of come to mind. But like those, these are all like, you know, for every one of those films, there's like 10 million versions of like Gladiator, you know, or something where it's like very kind of rewritten for the Moors and the ideas of the present. You know what I mean? Right. Um, uh, and it's, you know, it, Omleth in that way is a really interesting protagonist because, you know, like I would say he's not, that relatable it's no, <laughs> no. yeah he's just he's he's very very single-minded you know and it's but it's not intended to be that way that you know it's it's not really an allegory for a lot of modern ideals like mm. you get with a lot of other historical fiction like uh so, you know you keep bringing up the gladiator or like Downton Abbey, you know, there's oh, yeah, a lot yeah. of, you know, par- parallel themes about things that are going on in the real world and that kind of stuff. Um, right. I just bit my tongue. But yeah, it's. Uh... Oh, man, let's uh, let's move on for a second. Uh, I really want to talk about uh, the visuals of this movie and the the cinematography and production design a little bit more thoroughly, like. There are a number of very, very impressive one shots in this movie. Uh, One that really sticks out to me is like when we first transition to older Omleth with Alexander Sarsgaard, um, the the first shot, like the camera starts on a riverbank and then a long ship goes by and then another long ship goes by and we crane across the water over the ship and then it it snap turns and it goes up the ship and it comes in real close on Alexander Sarsgaard. Uh, but then it does a 180 turn to kind of look back and they shoot a couple of fishermen and then it goes like so it's uh, and it was apparently done all practically. They roll the crane to the water and they extend the crane out and then two guys who you couldn't see on the boat pop up and they take the head off the crane and then they steady cam it around. And it's, you know, so you got to be, and they have to roll the crane back in uh, fast enough so that when you reverse the camera, the crane's invisible, you know, so it's, oh man, like how many takes does this take? And you're, you're on water. Like I'm sure the boats are on some kind of guide. So it's relatively the same path every time, but it's still, they're still boats. <laughs> you know, yeah, so how right. do you, how do you make sure? Oh God. And I'm, I'm just uh, explaining it more out of being impressed by it than anything else. Um, there and this, and I wouldn't even from a from an execution point of view, that's really impressive. But there are also a lot of other just like creatively stunning moments in the movie. First of all, the the first shot in the whole movie is this volcano in Iceland, um, and it kind of like it holds on it for a few seconds, and it kind of like sets a tone of this like seething rage that's just already building before we even know any, before we've met any of our characters, there's something bubbling up underneath all of this. Um, and that volcano 
comes up several times, like especially in the last half or so of the movie, you know, after Omleth has spent some time on this slave plantation working for his uncle who doesn't know who it is yet. Um, you know, there's a lot of, you know, the camera will suddenly pan and then off in the distance, you see this erupting volcano. And it's an image that comes up quite a few times and it brought back really substantially in the in the, the, the final act here. <laughs> um, Where they're fighting naked in the lava. Yes. And that's apparently a, a Viking ritual. Like it, uh, I, I, I don't know that the name of it, I'm not even going to try to pronounce it, but that's a, it is a like single, single combat to the death. Like with complete, like completely unencumbered by armor, like is a thing that Vikings do apparently. And he, you know, the, and the line is meet me at the gates of hell. Yeah, uh, right. And then they, so, they understand that the gates of hell are the fires of an erupting volcano. Um, uh, and uh, side note, this is a moment where there was CGI used because uh, the, the actors are uh, like yeah, are wearing that, thongs yeah. or something. So yeah. So the, they're the choreography and stuff, that's all real. Uh, and then I'm not exactly sure how they lit it. Cause they're definitely not standing in a volcano, but <laughs> there, uh, there are, there are, there's anatomically adjust or there's yeah. And it, anatomically uh corrected cgi um involved there but yeah so the just a number of visual moments like that like the the, the volcano is um interesting because it's repeatedly called back to and it's you know just reminding you what's bubbling up right under the surface and it's already coming out of the volcano but it hasn't come out of omelet yet yeah, right. It's a great, uh, it's a great image. Uh, and yeah, he uses it uh, really, really well, you know, kind of, it's just this, you know, foreboding presence in the, uh, the background. I, I was also really struck by those, uh, those shots that you were describing, um, because they just create such a, you know, a, a, a an effect that's really, really hard to put into words. So I'm sure. It was yeah, I mean, and that's the, the hardest thing about so much of the uh, the imagery in this movie is like, I can't, I can't describe it in a way that I think is fair to it. And that's just because yeah. of my own inability to articulate more than anything else. Like, it's just, it's so like, it's so unique and it's always so powerful. Uh, but it's also like visually stunning in a way that I, you know, like I can't do it justice. Like you're, you just need to see the movie. This is, this is really, uh, where I, I have radical kind of beef with so much of the, uh, Okay. TV has kind of informed, uh, you know, cinema, like, because TV is a very dialogue kind of oral medium. It's like coming oh, yeah. out of radio and it's, you know, there's just a propensity for underlining things with dialogue and even the visual component is kind of like close-ups on important, you know, stuff, music, you know, underscoring on those close-ups, et cetera. And that's fine. I mean, TV is, is great. I'm not going to, you know, tell you that don't watch TV, but you know, what's cinema can kind of do with that visual kind of emphasis that you lose when you have all of this extra dialogue explaining, you know, what this means and what this motivation is, is you lose that, like that, that sort of a that the possibility of that ethereal kind of quality. Cause if you're explaining, you know, over and over again in dialogue or, or whatever, like what, you know, this character's motivations are what this like volcano is, you know, is doing, you know, in this particular film, you just, you don't have that, 
you don't have any room for resonance. You don't have any room for like the unconscious, you know, to sort of try to make sense of what, you know, that volcano is kind of doing. Right. You know, uh, and you're, I will say, you know, we keep talking about how little exposition is in this movie. Like, really, the movie is really, it's really sparse from a dialogue point of view in general. Um, and it's a really credit, it's a real credit to the, the way the movie's assembled because it's like, that can, it can make a movie drag if you don't, and it's, and I didn't feel like that at all. You know, mm -hmm. there were, we're always, you, 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 uh, you, you said it early on, like the movie is constantly propelling forward even though they're not talking to you very much. Yeah. It's and a really, that's a, a difficult line to walk. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, it's just a really, like a, the balancing uh, act, just uh, like you, you can tell what's, what's nice about, uh, about Eggers based on just the two that I've seen so far is that, uh, you know, you, you get like some direct writer directors, like there's different, you know, different kinds of writer directors and there's some like, I don't know why I'm thinking about Brian De Palma right now, but like Brian <laughs> De Palma is like a great example of like someone where the writing, he's writing those movies in a way that allows him to stage these like really ridiculous kind of like, uh, you know, cinematic kind of sequences with like roving cameras and so on. Not, not totally unlike this film, uh, weirdly, but, you know, you don't really get the sense that Brian De Palma is like, gives a shit about like, like <laughs> what his characters like inner lives are you know that's it so far as it like or like the world of this of the film except as it lets him set up these sequences and i just i what i like about you know eggers is that he's got like a writer's you know these like these are scripts where even if you just like take away like the the filming component i would be curious to just to kind of like read this script or this short story or this novella or whatever because he's really putting a lot of time and energy into just like, you know, the, the construction of, you know, the plot, but also like how you get kind of, you know, settled in the world. Just like a lot of this, like, there's a lot of, you know, really, really kind of careful thinking about, you know, like why this scene has to be here and why you only need this much dialogue and you don't need another line. Um, you know, like you don't you don't get the sense that it's all just about the visual construction, although certainly that's amazing when you get there. But it's like, you know, no, I mean, and that was it. It if it didn't have if it would be just as interesting a film if it wasn't assembled in such a stunning way, you know, that and that's a. Right. Well, it's a very literary, it's a very literary sensibility, but like the execution is and these are, you know, we're talking about like cliches that you know verge on on meaninglessness but i'm gonna i'm gonna go for it anyway uh it's you know it's it's a very cinematic kind of execution of a very literary script you know like yes and maybe that, that maybe that's where some of the 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 sort of mystery that we're trying to like put our finger on but can't quite put our finger on is sort of coming from is that like you're getting you know this this you're trying to like you almost I don't know I felt I, I remember thinking this about the witch and I, I thought about it about the Northman too but you just you get the sense that he's really really trying hard to make a movie the way that they would have made a movie like the way that the Puritans would have made a movie about a witch or the way that like 
the, the Vikings would have made a movie about their own culture, which is obviously like kind of a ridiculous, impossible task. Like, yeah, but it's the I, I get what you're saying, because, uh, you know, for example, there are um, moments in the film where, say, like Omleth, he he does take. Uh, well, does Omleth do it? There, there are characters who consume mushrooms at one point, but there are, you know, <laughs> Omleth has these like visions almost where there there's this a uh, visual depiction of like a family tree which is apparently a a thing that exists in viking art you know and like each branch is a different generation and such and there's a you know and the camera drifts up and you see his father there and then it, you see him uh at a young age and then later on it does it again and you see him as an adult uh and then you see what is in theory you know going to be his eventual children um right. and it doesn't really explain it to you it's just showing, you know, this is something that Omelette is experiencing in that moment. And then there's another moment where he's, uh, he, you know, he's injured and he, you know, uh, uh, he, he might bleed to death. It might not go well for him. And it shows like a Valkyrie carrying him on a horse towards like the, towards the gates of Valhalla. And it's just like, you know, it's a, that's a moment. It's another moment with a stunning visual, you know, and there's a, uh, an actress there and she's got, she's on this flying horse and she's got this like crazy helmet on and she screams. In fact, I think it's in the trailer for just a second. Um, but then, you know, in, uh, at that moment before she gets all the way there, he's, he's revived, um, you know, and so whether or not it's something that he was, you know, consciously experiencing, it's, it's really referential of their culture, you know, and their, the, these are the beliefs that are built, that are like built into him. And so it's absolutely, you know, if they were to be telling the story, if, uh, you know, the Vi Vikings, their religion is largely an oral tradition. And if they were telling this either as a, as a history or something, those are bits that they would almost certainly include. You know, like your Amleth sees the gates of Valhalla open, but it's not his time yet. So he comes back to Earth like that kind of, uh, and, you know, it would probably be articulated in a more interesting way than I can do. But you're you're, you know, like to say that this is a way this is a movie that the Vikings would make. That makes total sense to me after thinking about it a little bit longer. Yeah, right. Well, it's it's uh, there's, you know, like there's not really any distinction that the film kind of makes any obvious kind of like, you know, this is a fantasy, this is a dream, you know, this is a vision. No, it's just, and it, I feel like we talked about this a little bit when we talked about the Green Knight, and it's just, you know, these things that, like, are obviously not actually happening, or or are they? You know, like, it's a, it doesn't, the film doesn't make a, a firm choice as to whether this is a hallucination or this is legitimately supernatural. It's just, yeah. you know, it's a, it's, showing you what the character's experiencing in that moment, not and not making a stance as to whether or not it's real. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned uh, The Green Knight, because that was probably uh, the the film that would pair most most perfectly with this one. Well, you know, I think I said it in our review, like uh, yeah, 15 right. minutes into The Green Knight, I asked myself, is this an Eggers movie? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. right. Yeah, right. I remember that now. Uh, no, it's it's uh, it's like those it's it's wild that they're both like you know it's it's weird how hollywood always finds a way to like make two versions of the same movie yeah um, it's like somebody like hears that their their producer buddy is like working on this uh crazy trippy psychedelic uh you know medieval movie and then it's like well shit let's put that other one into production you know? yeah 
can't let him beat us to it. But they both are, uh, you know, this is one of those rare times where it's like they're both kind of equally good and they're equal. They're like not they're doing enough of the same thing that it's like it's really cool. But it's, you know, they're they're doing they kind of have their own agendas, too. Um, But yeah, no, it's it's all kind of treated as if it's uh, if it were equally equally real, but also like the the stuff that's like not real is treated as if it were real and the stuff that is definitely real is as we were saying earlier it's treated as if it's this like the the latest version of this eternal kind of dynamic you know that's been sure. going on so so it, there's just like there's no like you know easy line between reality and fantasy because it's all kind of i mean and and to say you know that it uh the North, the northman absolutely flirts with the supernatural um, in a, but in a very subtle way, kind of like the witch did, um, you know, like he, he goes to see, uh, Bjork who plays this blind seeress who is wearing this, an incredible costume. Um, and it's, you know, she, the, the concise, uh, version is she tells him that in order to complete his, his vengeance, he has to go get this magic sword. And then he goes and fights this like dead guy, um, to get the magic sword. Uh, you know, and we're we're never told whether the sword's actually magic, um, and we are. You know, we're kind of. Omleth perceives this thing that he fights as like some kind of undead warrior, um, and but. You know, it doesn't it doesn't make a clear distinction. It just, again, it's telling it to you in a way that the tradition might tell it. Yeah. Right. It's uh. You know, it's it's it, that's that's what it is. It feels like you know, it's uh, trying to be an adaptation of you know these you know these fragmentary kind of Icelandic stories that yeah. we've you know been able to sort of capture you know from again from this oral tradition. So you know, we were capturing them through like these third party kind of sources a lot of the times that are written by uh, you know the Christians who are being you know. <laughs> watered by the vikings so they obviously were really objective uh sources and yeah uh, you you know you're 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 trying to sort of like inhabit that mindset and the i think the power of the film is like two hours or, or so however long it is you get to kind of inhabit that mindset too and it's it's i don't know it always feels like such a weird you know feeling to be you know confronted with with how alien the past is, you know, just how different, uh, you know, people's way of sort of thinking about stuff and acting, you know, how much that's changed as, you know, the material basis of how we live and make food and all that stuff is, you know, I just, I just, I just don't, I don't know. It's hard. It's hard to think of another film recently where I've been thinking about these things as opposed to just like, oh, okay, what's going to happen next with the hero or whatever, you know? It, it, is Omelette the hero? Is that, is that how, is that how we would describe him? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, that's, that's, that's the thing is uh, like that dude, his uncle's uh, kind of shitty, you know, at his first. uncle, uh, and we come to find out apparently his dad was kind of shitty too. Yeah. Well, that's, so that's, 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 that's the crazy thing, right? Like they, they all are, you know, you're you are not allowed to really identify with with Omleth and like right at the moment where you're like, yeah, he should fuck him up. He should really. Like <laughs> and then, yeah. And that, that leads to I, I mentioned um, 
we're, we're talking about some of the other performances. Uh, I mentioned Nicole Kidman, um, you know, and she is, you know, Nicole Kidman's been around forever. You know, she was, she she had been an actress for, for years when I was a kid. You know, it's like, I'm a... Hey. I, it, my uncle and my brothers, like we, he, all, they always showed us eighties movies, you know, and she's like the love interest in days of thunder with Tom Cruise. And, you know, she was in Batman forever, you know, which is a movie I loved when I was six. Um, you know, so Nicole Kidman is Nicole Kidman, obviously, uh, you know, and she's been in, uh, some other like big budget movies lately. Like I, like, uh, she was in, um, she played Arthur's mother in like Aquaman. Um, yeah, and Lucy in uh, that, that that movie for Amazon. Yeah, uh, what, what was it called? Ball. Yeah, like Desi and Lucy. Is, yes, is, she played Lucille Ball. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, uh, being the Ricardos. Um, yeah, but yeah, yeah. you know, she, uh, despite doing, you know, um, well, she's a she's an actress that that dabbles in all kinds of things, and despite having this storied history of like big budget kind of mainstream stuff. You know, every now and then she turns in a great performance like she absolutely does in um, HBO's. Uh, oh, God, I said it earlier. Um, what was her HBO show? Yeah. Uh, yeah I don't know. I, uh, uh, Big Little Lies is fantastic. Uh, oh, that's right. Yes, in- yes, 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 yes. Um, and then she. Uh, we got more Nicole Kidman than I expected to first of all um certainly in the the second half of the movie um and she gives a spectacular performance and she gives one hell of a monologue uh <laughs> and that's kind of you know like it's our biggest probably the biggest exposition dump of the movie if there is one anywhere mm-hmm. um and it's uh you know that she she realizes that omelet is actually her son who's grown up into a man and then she you know, we find out that her father actually kind of forced himself or no, Omelette's father actually kind of forced himself on her, which makes his him kind of shitty too. And then that makes Omelette kind of question his whole his whole motivation. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, like a second, you know, yeah. Um, then he's like I'm gonna kill you too. Yeah. Then then he's just like, there's no way this is true. And then he, uh, <laughs> Vikings man. Um, like, but, well, you gotta still live out his destiny. Doesn't matter if the dude, his dad sucks. Still gotta, <laughs> still gotta avenge him. You know, it's. Yeah, so um, Nicole Kidman is stunning as as his mother in this film. Um, we it's another great part for Anya Taylor Joy, uh, who like I haven't seen a single thing that she's that or I haven't seen a single performance of hers that I haven't liked. Um, you know where we yeah you know we remember we talked about uh, last night in Soho. She was great in that. Um, oh, yeah. She's she's fantastic in The Witch. Um, this Eggers Eggers first movie. Um, and then uh, the Queen's Gambit on Netflix is is fantastic. So it's, uh, and then with I I loved seeing uh, Ralph Ineson from The Witch and Game of Thrones and a few other things. That he played the father character in The Witch. Uh, he was back in here as the as the ship captain at the end there. Um, yeah. So yeah. it's I'm sorry. Stacked, go ahead. Stacked, no stacked cast. You know? A- absolutely. You know, and it's re- um real mainstream folks you know the uh willem defoe is in it briefly kind of at the in at the beginning of the movie um and it's you know it's i i i I hate to say it's a surprise that we that we get somebody like nicole kidman in a movie like this but like honestly it kind of is like and i don't even know that you know this movie was green lit three years ago after the lighthouse came out 
I don't, in a post-COVID world, I don't know that someone would risk $80 million on this. Um, yeah. Well, I was, you know, I was, like right now, we don't know what what theaters are going to be like for the next oh, yeah. little while. Yeah. So it's, you know, I'm just I'm I'm thrilled this movie got made and the cast is stellar. Uh, and, I, you know, I just, oh, God, I'm Dan. I am so glad this movie got made. Yeah, I am. I am, too. It really uh, it felt like a throwback uh, to a lot of things. You know, obviously, Viking literature is the oldest. Uh but, you know, more recently, it felt like a throwback to, you know, kind of like a 70s, like art house tradition. Like it felt like, you know, really reminded me of a, like, you know, Barry Lyndon and Aguirre, the rat, like these, these arty, like, you know, 70s, you know, movies where they're going to take the past, but they're going to make it feel kind of alien, you know, yes. and kind of a weird time. But, you know, it also just, you know, kind of made me nostalgic for, I don't know, like 2005, you know, maybe this is just me getting old, but I was like, <laughs> oh man, like if this had come out in like 2005, you know, like there would have been a big marketing campaign. Everybody would have known about it. Like, you know, and that's the thing where we've yeah. discussed briefly on the show before about like content versus cinema. And this is yeah. absolutely, this is absolutely cinema. And it is a movie that you should experience on the big screen with big oh, ass speakers. Totally. But like the, the to say that like, there is so much stuff that is produced these days, uh, you know, and we're we're bombarded with content everywhere, um, you know, and it's the just the the volume of stuff that we are constantly exposed to. Oh, right, it's insane. Um, you know, and I I agree. If this if if the movie had come out exactly the way that it's exactly the way it is fifteen years ago, like everybody would be talking about it because this yeah. movie is bonkers. Yeah. You know, like, it's, it's, it's everything that, you know, like it's, it's everything. It has all the elements that gladiator and I don't know. I mean, kingdom of heaven didn't do well when it first came out, but that director's cut was really good and did well. I agree. And I, I like the director's cut a lot better than the theatrical version too. Um, but you know, like there was just, you know, the, 15 years ago, like a big historical film with star-studded, you know, star-studded cast and a lot of violent action. Like, I mean, God, Braveheart, you know, is another one comes to mind. Like, like there's not really anything, like this is a weirder, you know, I think more uh, intelligent, thoughtful film than than like Braveheart, for example, the Braveheart's mm -hmm. fun. It, it's interesting, uh, you, I'm sorry, go ahead before no, I say but, like, but, but, you know, so it's not like exactly the same, but it's like, it just, I don't know, it's just nostalgic for, uh, you know, like, like intelligent, you know, adult oriented Hollywood movies where there's not a franchise, you know, there's a, an expectation that like your audience is going to consist primarily of like thinking adults or smart teenagers. So you don't have to like dumb it down. Like, I just, you know, I felt like kingdom of heaven was being you know movies like that were were made more regularly uh in that environment you know i'd agree are. i would also i would respond by saying i think that meant that they stood out less yeah right right you that's, know but well and this is even the, oh that, that now that like that almost sounds contradictory to what i was saying before but like you know there were there is a when you're talking about like a Ridley Scott historical epic, like you kind of know what you're getting. Whereas True. like, 
even knowing Eggers' work and having seen the trailer, like, I didn't know what I was getting walking into the Northman. And even, you know, there, 98% of that trailer is in the first 40 minutes of the Northman. And the Northman is two and a half hours long. So it's, you know, like I realized about an hour in, like, it's been a while since I've seen any shots that I've seen. So it's. Yeah, right. Um, well, it's, it's definitely the A24. It's definitely in the A24 kind of tradition of like weird indie movies. Uh, but, you know, $90 million, you know, $90 million isn't like the most expensive that a movie like it this. It is not, but it is a, it's a lot of money to risk on a thing that's not a sure thing. Yeah, and that's and that's where I I think that's where my nostalgia uh, is really zero, is like honing in on is just like you know I wish that there were more producers who are going to give people like Robert Eggers or um, Green Green Knight guy uh, David Lowry yeah uh, uh, you know give them like because obviously they can do really good movies with like twenty million with like next to nothing. But it feels like you've either got to do a really cool movie for next to nothing or you've got to make a Marvel movie for like $400 million or something stupid. Uh, and so I want more uh, movies. Uh, yes, more like, middle, like as mid far as, yeah, I, I almost said middle of the road movies and that's not what that, it almost came out wrong. The, yeah, like middle, middle budget kind of things. And, you know, and like it, even, scale, but not enough, like, but also not so much you can't ri take risks and do yeah. weird stuff. You know, yeah. and the, you know, the, the directors like Guillermo del Toro talk about exactly that all the time. You know, it's just like if I, um, if I had had more money to make Pan's Labyrinth, then Pan's Labyrinth wouldn't have gotten made. Like they're they would have said no. Like they if they offered me more money, they would have pulled the plug. They did the same thing with his his Lovecraft movie. You know, that which he's still hoping to make. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, exactly. Well, he's uh. He's that's that's where it's just like the infrastructure just, you know, is is on shaky ground. As we were saying, it's like, are these movie the are like art movie theaters or, you know, movie theaters where it's like, OK, we're going here because we know that this is going to be a qualitatively different experience. And for this kind of a film needs that blah, blah, blah. It's like, I don't know. That's like how how stable is that going to be in 10 years? I, have I no mean, idea. then that's it's a question that pains me to think about. And, you know, and I don't even mean to hate on the on Marvel movies like I'm a big comic book guy. Right. I've reviewed a lot of Marvel movies on this channel and I'm going to keep doing that. So it's you know, it's <laughs> you know, I, I, I like a, I like to have a balanced diet. I like to to consume a lot of different kinds of media. Right. Um, and I absolutely want more movies like The Northman. Yeah, right, right. So I'm I'm eager to see uh what Eggers uh is is gonna do. I I would be willing to say, having seen two of his films now, that like he he and like Jeff Nichols and uh David Lowry, uh they're 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 like uh the 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 Steven Soderbergs of right now, where it's like <laughs> You're doing a lot of weird stuff, and uh, I like this, so I'm going to keep supporting you. Yeah, um, <laughs> you're. There are. I don't know that it, it was confirmed, but there are rumors that Robert Eggers is developing his Nosferatu movie, which I that would be cool. all in for. Yeah, like he was. Um, the plan was to make that one right after the witch, and it it wasn't going to work out for reasons. So they they 
ended up with we ended up with the lighthouse. But you know, uh, especially like if the Northman is successful, um, we uh, they they might green light his his take on Nosferatu, and he wants Willem Dafoe to star in it as Max <laughs> Shrek or as the monster, whatever the you know Wait. whichever angle he takes on it. So. Wait a minute. Do you, you know about have you seen Shadow of the Vampire? Yes. It's it's Willem yeah. Dafoe is gonna play that character again. Yeah. <laughs> that's well, that's hilarious for a lot of on a lot of levels because it it you know, Erzog already remade Nosferatu and famously like used some of the same sets and right. the, you know as Murnau and then uh so then like you know shadow of the vampires like well, what if it were real you know what if like, <laughs> what, what if like, like i mean yeah what if people you know because he was definitely a weird guy so maybe what if he was actually a vampire you know what if he, what if he was a real vampire and then uh so if he's if he can like cast willem dafoe and then have all of these layers of referentiality yeah dude. Also having it be a creepy vampire movie like that would be a really That'd be really cool. I'm all all in for that. I'm really all in for whatever he makes next. But that, you know, the there's a I just I read some rumors that that's what's that's what he wants to do next. Uh, And if if yeah, Um, because he you know, it it was he was developing it and then they they ended up uh, making the lighthouse instead. So maybe they'll maybe he'll get to move ahead with it this time. But um, yeah, it's it's there's a lot more probably to be said about the Northmen. Uh, any any closing thoughts? No, and the only thing I can uh, think that we didn't really talk about, probably, uh, you know, because it's almost too painful to talk about, but damn, there's a lot of people dying in this movie. There are a lot of people die in this movie, and uh, really, in really gruesome ways. You know, you yeah. you mentioned Braveheart, you know, and it's like I, you know, I I said the word visceral early on, and it, it, again, it's a it's a word that gets thrown around a lot of like probably comically often, but like, it's really the probably the most brutal movie I've seen since like Hacksaw Ridge. Uh, you yeah, know, and yeah. that's another, you, you mentioned Braveheart. Hacksaw Ridge is another Mel Gibson movie. Um, and it's, and it, you know, it, it's, and I would <laughs> like, the, it, title? I'm is sorry. What? Like, does it live up to its title? Cause I just picture a bunch of limbs being hacked off. Uh, I mean, kind of. Yeah. Like it's, it's a really, horrifying view of war like the the first movie's kind of kind the first half of the movie or so is kind of melodramatic because it's like him joining the military and meeting his wife or whatever and then the second half of the movie is the the battle of okinawa um and it's it's horrifying you know yeah it's it's um this is probably the it might be the best in my opinion the best movie that mel gibson's ever made like it's really it's 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 really good um and then like uh, he wants to go to war yeah um and then i don't i don't know the maybe mad max fury road that just like blew everybody away with how crazy it is like this is somewhere in that vein like it's not as action oriented obviously but it's it's at like from a a concept to screen point of view it's equally or more impressive from just from an execution uh from an execution point of view i think um you know because the they're making another Mad Max movie. Who thought that was going to be good? And look what we got. You know, yeah. So it's, uh, and then, um, and the the Northman is a, it's a visual and visceral experience like that I can't even describe. And it's not exactly like anything I've ever seen before. 
Um, and that, you know, and this is why I compared to these other really intense experiences of recent memory, like, I don't know, 2015 or so, but it's the, I, I can't recommend it enough. It's absolutely my favorite movie I've seen this year so far. Um, and it's not, I think it's going to be a long time before we get another movie quite like this one. Um, but yeah. yeah, like if you're, if you're a history buff, if you like cool sword fights, if you just want to see, I don't know, if you want to see people kicking some ass, um, or like, Hey, if you like, if you like interesting visuals, this movie's full of them. The, the sound design is incredible, but it's also very like his historically appropriate, you know, like you're, you pull a sword out of a sheath and we always hear like a singing sound and it doesn't sound, it's just, you know, it's a swords on leather. Don't sound like that. You know? Mm -hmm. So it's a very, it's really immersive in that regard. Like you feel like you're in the mud with omelet. Um, and you can, uh, it sounds cliche, but you can feel the fire on the screen. Like you feel gross and exhausted after this movie's over. Um, and it's like, it's just, it's a, the 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 music's incredible and they actually use quite a few like period instruments or period sonic techniques um uh, as far as horns and percussion and things like that they are it, instruments that either existed or something very similar to it would have existed mixed in with a modern orchestra um and you know it's, so it's just a very somehow very authentic like or yeah in incredibly authentic but also very unique experience that you know i don't i don't even i i don't know that i can describe it in a way that's fair to it um yeah it's a real i mean just to build on on what you're saying and you know also at the same time provide uh kind of my, my closing uh remarks on the film uh it's just you know it's a movie that really like we were saying earlier, a lot of uh, things now, you know, say this is TV or this is a movie or whatever, it kind of doesn't mean as much as it used to because it's all, it's all content. Yeah, I mean, yeah, t TV content is so different. Like it's basically, uh, or a lot of it is just long form films. Yeah, right. And a lot of films feel like they're uh, just, you know, feel like they, they, they look exactly like TV shows. Yeah using close-ups and mediums and all that stuff but this was a really bracing reminder that like seeing a like that that cinema still exists i guess that like, absolutely still, still people if you are designing a film you know where the visual track is kind of the most important or not even the most important but it's, it's the one that gets primacy you know it's it's sort of the uh, it's a you know a filmmaker who understands it's a visual medium that you know it's going to be ideally kind of experienced in you know the theater setting you know where you don't have distractions you're kind of locked in for a set period of time and like designing the movie kind of around that you know which is as we've talking about it's kind of a you know potentially a dying you know sort of art form or an art form that's not you know, it's kind of under under threat at the moment. And uh, so you don't really, nobody's really, you know, taking those risks, you know? So I, it was just great to see, uh, you know, see be reminded that like, no, no, no. You know, even if, you know, it's just guys like Robert Eggers and other like-minded people, you're still, 
there's still people who uh, really are kind of standing up for like movies that are kind of using what that medium can can do and are not. Absolutely. Yeah. So I, I'm with you. It's hard to totally put your finger on like what makes this so captivating, but I think that's. I mean, and it's you know it's captivating. Excuse me. Like it's. All, having said all of that, like I think it's even more impressive because. Like, as we said, it's not really a like that relatable a story, you know, and it's the you know, it's 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 hard to get on Omelette's side on for a lot of reasons. And it's and, uh, you know, and yet, you know, so the the ending has some some tragic notes to it, but it, you know, it doesn't have a it, you know, it doesn't leave you with a big question mark. It's just it's all it's very. Like almost to the point, but in like it's still so staggering despite it's like simplicity. Like I keep saying, uh, and you, you said it first, like it's almost the story that would be told in the oral tradition of the Vikings or like, or, you know, a movie the Vikings would make, you know, and it's, it brings with that anything that, it, that that would, but also leaves behind anything that that tradition would, you know? So, you know, it's, it's, it's very, it's very straightforward in that way, but it's still so stunning. Like, and that's like, it's, it's really, it's simple, but it's not simple at all. You know, it's a very simple story and it's not one that's particularly relatable, but it's told to us in such an honest and, and interesting way that, you know, it's doesn't, it, it, it doesn't matter that we can't get on Omelette's side or anybody, you know, it doesn't matter that we can't really identify with any one of these characters um, it's still, you know, I'm still here for, for, for the ride and I'm still experiencing all the emotions that he's feeling. Right. Right. No, I think, I think you're, you know, that I would agree with, with pretty much all of that, you know, it's just, there's just a lot of really, you know, just a lot of elements are just being set in tension just artistically, just a lot of, uh, you know, simplicity, uh, you know, no, deceptive to me. Uh, but yeah, I'm just I'm just repeating what you're saying. Uh, but because <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's great. Uh, you know, I mean, it's all- it's deceptively simple. Like you know, there's it's d- despite having all these fantastical things and incredible visuals and you know, appear all this the the design like the the story it's using all these uh, incredible tools to tell you is very very simple and it's not really i keep saying it's not really relatable and it's not like it's just kind of a personal thing for this one guy that we can't you know it's it's hard to get behind him but it's despite all of that it's gonna it's gonna show you anyway yeah right um and that is i think that's a great place to to wrap it up it's it's we we both love the northman this is going to be a the moment it's available on digital i'm buying it again i might even hit it up again in the movie theater it's, it's a it's an experience in a uh on in a cinema unlike i have had in a very very long time uh and i am so glad that 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 movies like this can can still be made these days uh so thank you uh thanks a lot for for coming on the show dan and yeah. uh thanks everybody for watching if you if you like this uh, hit that hit that subscribe button down below. Ring the bell. Uh, trying to aim for one episode a week. Not quite hitting it right now because it's a I I'm a Navy Tech and it's event season and things are crazy. But uh, we're 
You should definitely see some uh, some other movies in the next couple of weeks. I'm going to do Doctor Strange. I'm going to do Top Gun. Uh, I'm going to do Jurassic World. Um, and those are just the those are just the big ones that everybody knows about. There's probably some others in between. I would like to get in a review for everything, everywhere, all at once. If I can get out to a theater before that one's gone. But uh, yeah, if you're still watching, thanks for hanging out, and we'll see you next time on Ninja Twenty Five Reviews. Thanks, everybody.